This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. If people knew what was coming to this ecosystem, they would be moving to this ecosystem as fast as possible. It's the best asymmetric bet of our time. And I can't believe how much value is going to be delivered to society through this. It's literally unstoppable and it's global in nature. Hi everyone and welcome to the next big trade. I'm your host, Harry Malandri from MI2 Partners. Enjoy the show. This week, we are joined by Jeff Booth. Uh, Jeff is a serial technology entrepreneur and wrote a best-selling book on the likely impact of technology on our way of life. In 2016, Goldman Sachs named him among its 100 most intriguing entrepreneurs. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Great, Harry. How about yourself? I'm fine. I'm still wondering how you're ever going to live down that Goldman Sachs thing, though. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. So I've got to say, like, quite often uh, people we invite on the podcast are kind enough to send us some material to read to give us an idea of what the trade is so I can actually prepare some thoughts because, you know, like I'm not that smart. And uh, you win, if there was a prize, which there isn't, of course, we have a very low budget, as everyone can tell. Um, if there was a prize, um, you would win the prize for the most intellectual or intellectually challenging document sent to me. Well done. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but thanks. So I read that and I got the impression that your background, academic background might be physics because you introduced concepts like relativity into the, uh, into the paper. What is your academic background? Dropping out of university in year one uh, to go into business. So uh, yeah, so it just everything, everything is diving in and, and curiosity is probably my academic background. So my cousin Ronnie dropped out of university in Belgium uh, the year of the fall of the Berlin Wall to go off to Poland to set up his own company. And he ended up building a company, you know, rough valuation. I don't really know the exact number, but I think it's about $500 million worth. And I remember I was staying with him and his wife in his house in Monaco. Actually, it was in Ventimiglia on the coast. Uh, and I, I remember amusing him when I turned to him and say, he said, Ronnie, tell me, where did it all go wrong for you? <laughs> it, it, it's kind of the point about an entrepreneur. So what happens is if you go into something, you have to learn it. And you have to learn it from the bottom up. And you have to provide value to others in the company you're building. And if you don't, you get destroyed. And it's a, it is harsh. And as you're, as you're doing that, so as you make mistakes... You either learn from them or don't learn from them. And that those mistakes actually help carry you the day to, to the next things you do. Uh, I, by the way, it's the same thing in school. It's the same thing in everything, uh, in, in everything. It's our mistakes guide us and we, and we drive into them and we either learn or we don't. You know, in school, which I was, you'd be surprised to hear I was okay at, they don't punish you by taking away money when you get it wrong. <laughs> Where, whereas in when you're setting up businesses, they do. So there's kind of there's a filter there, isn't there? Well, it's, it, it is ironic that we in, in schools, I think about this with my kids too, that everybody gets a prize. And then they go come out in the real world 
and it looks a little different. You have to compete and win. You have to compete. And that, that competition in a free market to win is actually the only way to win is to deliver value to other people in a normal, in a normal market. Yeah, absolutely. You don't, you don't necessarily get credit for your working, even if the answer's wrong either. Certainly not in trading, right? Exactly. So I've been looking forward to having this chat with you because it's on something that I know next to, well, it's not true to say I know next to nothing about it, but I haven't really got my thoughts in a line. I don't really have an entrenched position or something I truly believe either way. And my thoughts have been evolving anyway for reasons that will probably come out as we go through this. So can you tell us about your next big trade? What Talk us through your investment thesis. Yeah, and and my investment thesis is is really backed on my book. If you see if you see what I wrote about, I wrote about two giant forces colliding in our lives. One driven by technology wanting to make prices go down, or or as as labor came out of the market because we automated things, and it gets faster and faster with artificial intelligence and robotics. Um, that should be a boom to humanity as the things that we do are supposed to reduce prices and we're supposed to save as an output of time. That's what's supposed to happen with technology. But it collided with a system that we live in that is inflationary by nature based on credit. And if you allowed the deflation to happen, you would have a collapse of the entire credit-based system. So those two forces, because nobody would vote to collapse their credit-based system, you would get manipulation of the credit-based system. And you'd get more and more monetary easing and fiscal stimulus and all over the world it would look the same as those two systems actually grew further and further apart because if you think about what ends up happening there then the only way to deliver value to society is to automate faster otherwise nobody's going to use your product or service so and the more automation that happens the more reduction of labor that happens the more artificial stimulus has to go to keep society on a on a wheel of more and more jobs, more and more GDP to pay back debt that can't be repaid. So there was no solve from the system. So you, you realized we all lived in a system and we measured everything from that system that was based on manipulation. And that would get worse and worse and worse through time. And what I would say is that's playing out exactly how I prescribed it would. Because there are two different exponential patterns, one driven by technology, that is the free market, and one driven by artificial manipulation, which is not the free market, which has to, which has to eventually remove individual rights and freedoms from people, because it has to remove the free, free market. So those two things are moving further and further apart. And, and when I wrote the book, although I was in Bitcoin, I wasn't at that time, uh, convinced, I wasn't for sure that that was the transition mechanism to what was going to be built in, in the future. Could, could it be gold? Could it be this? Could it be a whole bunch of different things? What would that look like? And it is a transmission mechanism and playing all of the game theory technology, what would, what would happen to really look deep? But as I got deeper and deeper on, on Bitcoin, I realized, huh, that's what's happening. People are measuring it wrong because they're measuring it as a, store of value if they're even doing that but they're measuring it through and they exi- the existing system that has the error code of manipulation in and it's a new system that's emergent and as that system gets stronger and stronger and stronger on a network effect it's becoming more robust and it's it's a 
some um, some people, uh, it depends how much you want to get into this, but it looks like um, protocols are built in layers. A TCP IP came out in the late 60s by DARPA, and it wasn't until 1989 with HTTPS that were HTTP and then HTTP and then HTTPS that it opened up the World Wide Web. And that powers everything we build on, on today. If all of the technology that we use is ba based on that pretty simple protocol layer stack. And that protocol layer stack is what Bitcoin is and it's developed. And what, one of the things that's really important in that is those things become, because they're protocols, they develop slowly, methodically, and then you don't see what's able to happen on the next layer until the next layer is there. Similar to if you looked back, if you looked at back at what people said about the internet early on versus what actually happened, it looks totally different than what people said. And that provided an asymmetric upside for the people who were in it early. I was one, I built many businesses on top of that in, in it early and asymmetric downside for those who, who weren't. Um, and that's what's actually happening in the world today. If you were, um, but it's happening on a, it, not on a company level, it's happening at a protocol le uh, level to every single thing. So, but if you just kind of made a simple analogy, if you said, if I was in Sears and as a leader of Sears from 1995 to 2010 versus I was a leader in Amazon, I would see two totally different worlds. I would see one full of opportunity and wow, where is this going? And, and I'd see one that was collapsing and I would be trying to prevent the collapse. And so today what you have broadly is people in two different worlds. You have people moving over to, wow, look at all this opportunity here that we can build on top of. And you have people feeding back on, on a world that's becoming more and more polarizing and they're becoming more and more fearful as it breaks down. So you give me much to unpack. So that's my first observation is I have no problem at all with the your observations about the monetary system. Uh, they're completely in line with my observations as well. And like it's one of the reasons I know I screwed up. Uh, it turns out that almost any asset I could have bought in the 80s would end up cheap today. Yeah. Um, and almost any cash I kept would end up devalued. It didn't really matter. Didn't, I, could, didn't I, matter could, I could speed the process up by, for example, allocating to Venezuelan Bolivars. Yeah. <laughs> that definitely sped the process up a lot. But uh, any asset, you know, any piece of real estate, any share, pretty much, it was, it'd be me, I'm, I'm gifted. I managed to lose money on some stocks, but other people, you know, if you just threw a dart against a wall, the odds were you made money net. And that's mostly because your denominator went down. If a denominator is going to go down, it's going to look a lot like um, your genius. On the question of productivity and technology, the other side of this, the other exponential trend, I think the jury's out for the time being, like generally technology has improved things dramatically. And we've had these huge gains that have been disproportionate, you know, not allocated evenly. We just had an event and it looks a lot like uh, the trend towards globalization and integrating China and Russia into global markets might be reversing. Um, but that doesn't really, I don't see how that would interfere with your hypothesis. It might make it even stronger. It, it does make it stronger. The, the reversing is everybody's turning to every man for themselves because our financial system is breaking down. That's really what's ha happening. You you mentioned Venezuela. 
And you saw in the piece I wrote, Finding Signal in a Noisy World. We actually don't, money, all it is, is information. We actually don't want more money. We want what we, what we think more money buys us. And that buy could be a better life for my kids. It could be, it could be a whole bunch of things, but we don't want more money because if, if we did, then a Venezuelan boulevard would be equal to a US dollar. We want more in, it's the information that tells us a ledger of what we have and what we need to have to get to what we want. And, and so when you apply misinformation to that ledger and you automate misinformation, then everybody in the world is looking through that misinformation. So that is a, is a, and, and they all think that they have perfect information. And you could argue me too, right? Same thing. So you have to, you have to do a lot more work to say, is this right or is this wrong? Because I'm liable. I'm just as likely as everybody else to, to be looking through the misinformation because my house value is full of that misinformation. My stocks are all full of that misinformation and it's all, it's all expanding at an exponential rate. Now carry that to the system we build it, we we live in based on a US currency which is 80 something percent of global trade. Um and that and that US currency today cannot be solved in a free market. You can, you can't grow out of the problem. So it has to carry more misinformation. And what that means is all products all over the world carry this same thing, all businesses all over the world. So what the petrodollar system may have worked well, the US essentially is running 2% inflation. And because what that means is US prints free energy, and everybody else pays for energy. Yes, it does. That's right. And, and, and it's an advantage to the US, but somebody there's a counterparty somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And the cost of that advantage to the, to the US is a war mil- industrial military complex that has to ensure everybody prices in US do- energy and US dollars. But when you have to change that inflation rate and you have to make it 8 or 10% to be able to pay off the debt, then that, what that means is Russia or other countries that are selling their oil have to devalue their labor by eight or ten percent a year. Essentially, yep. they're saying, and worse, to be able to fund a military and industrial complex selling freedom on the world that really isn't freedom on the world based on that based on what we just said. So capitalism and communism look less the same under print uh, under monetary easing or under printed money. And I wish I didn't have to say that. I wish that what I just said wasn't true, but it is true. And more and more of the world are waking, more and more in the world are waking up to the unfortunate instability of our existing system that cannot go on. And that instability in their system is pushing supply chains to break because so in Germany this year, they're going to have to choose, do we run our supply chain, critical supply chain, or do we hate houses? What do you think they're going to choose? Um, it, because energy prices are five times what they were last year. You know, we've just had a real poker tell in the policy response of the UK and Germany. Germany, from from recollection, announced a 65 billion euro subsidy to energy distribution, so to the consumer in Germany. Uh, the UK, I read, announced a £130 billion subsidy. So both of them are now trying to print uh, the money necessary to reduce de- energy prices to their domestic consumers, which I think is kind of fascinating, right? Many of your listeners won't see this because they're trying to make trades 
inside that environment and they're picking up dollar bills or pennies in front of a steamroller. And you, I'm not saying you couldn't do well for a while in a trade on the right side of this trade, but more and more people think that they can outtrade this market and it's getting more and more uh, fragile. There's more and more instability coming everywhere in the entire macro market because it's based on instability. So their trade, all of these trades results in when 12 people are going to press a button and destroy your currency, everything. And you can't print energy. You can't make up more energy. So when you go and go and stimulate a whole bunch of money into these industries, you end up pushing inflation um, higher and higher. If there was a way for you to print more money and develop uh, really stable and, and great economies, then the African nations would be the richest today. Yeah. One thing that suddenly pops into my head when the US prints dollars, which are accepted by Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and other places in exchange for energy, the other countries do get something there. The US has a money monetary system, um, which they get to free ride on, and which they can use to facilitate general commerce. And nobody else has that kind of infrastructure of money, uh, which uh, you know, you can use to buy securities, transfer consumption from the present into the future, to fund and you know, and capitalize new businesses and to access those capital pools. So that whole infrastructure comes with the tax, right? The the seigniorage the US charges. That's the quid for the pro, or the, is it the quid, for, quid the pro for the prid? I'm not sure. But keep go, but keep but keep going keep going there because I think what you just did is is a really good. So yes, and then. In the 70s, the U.S. is pretty much the only superpower could get away with that and essentially ensure everybody priced in energy and U.S. dollars and ensured to and those countries bought U.S. bonds to be able to keep interest rates low, to keep essentially uh, 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 that, that balance trade all over the world. China did, everywhere did, and it actually produced a whole bunch of value for the world. It, it, it did um, lift people out of poverty, nations out of poverty. But now those other countries are using the exact same system against the U.S. And so, so now you have superpowers. Now you have other nations that are saying, this system is corrupt. This system doesn't work, and it won't, uh, and, and it won't re reset. Worse... For that to happen, U.S. labor has to be, you have to pay the U.S. labor really high. And, and for China, they have to pay their labor really low. Yeah, there's a thermodynamic problem there. We create this, this instability. So what ends up happening is, is it, the U.S., just by the function of the free market, U.S. has to outsource its supply chains and its productive capacity to other nations that puts real risk on a geopolitical uh, level. And so that's what's happening today. Right, because it actually undermines your ability to police the system globally. If you don't have the supply chain in your country, how do you have, How does your military-industrial uh, complex or your well, defence industry, whatever term you prefer, how does it ensure you have a, the supply of weapons you need when you need them again, against whichever power you happen to be opposing? Yeah. Uh, it's a paradox. Yeah. And so the world needs... A neutral reserve currency. It, it's a requirement of global trade. And 
uh, or it's a long-term requirement of global trade. And, and and here's the thing I just can't. So most of our time, even on this so far, we're talking about the existing system. And we're not talking about what ends up happening on, on specifically Bitcoin on something that is, is outside of the control and a different system is it means the best policy for the abundance gained from technology to, uh, to be delivered to society is the free market. It's a, it, it's proven. So, so if you just think about why we made institutions smaller and what that did for societies, Magna Carta, Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence, all of these are actually laws or codified laws that essentially protect individuals from the state, from the state getting too big. And everywhere where those laws were very strong, you had robust economies because of all of the idea generation that would happen in the individuals that would have more shots on net to be able to create great economies. And that that value to society is actually a free market function for society and prices should fall in that. But what's happening today is money is more powerful than laws. And again, look around the world and you could see evidence of what I just said, because if that wasn't true, then where money is most broken, they'd have the strongest laws protecting people. And it's exactly the inverse. So because the people closest to the money can essentially write the laws or lobby the laws and the, the, the laws change over time. So the thing that protected us from states becoming too big is being broken down by the money today. That's what you're seeing all over, uh, all over the world. And that money needs to come out. It needs to transition to a new system. And it can't, when I say the big trade or your site of big trade, I even asked you, should I even come in? Because I don't think about a big trade. I just think that this, in the macro environment that we are facing, there's only one thing that I've seen that transitions the system from where we are today to another. And, and, I, and maybe I'm too strong on one thing. Could they revalue gold? Yes. Could, it, could you revalue gold way higher and, and make the debt go away? Yes. But that would need you to get into bed with China and Russia to do it and then audit who has how much gold. And then every other nation would have to say, okay, we're going to go along with that. So some of these things, as you think about the actual implications of actually doing that in today's uh, world, they become not impossible, but lower probability events. Well, will a technology, well, two technologies, Bitcoin and now Bitcoin and Lightning, have network effects that are reinforcing themselves on top of each other and building a protocol that looks totally different on the other side. So you could say Bitcoin is a country right now with 150 million users that are all peer to peer and can pay anybody outside of the system. And it's getting bigger and bigger every day. So I'm going to try and pricey your argument. And I'm going to, um, the idea is to kind of see where I've got it wrong. Um, and I think there's a problem with the logic, but, you know, we, we could, I think the problem is a central thing and we have to debate this issue. So basically you're saying we're in a situation where governments are in the process of debasing currencies, debasing currencies as old as hills, clipping the edges off gold coins back in the second century or something. And they kind of have to do that for reasons of solvency and because of econo the economic bind they're in. Um, and therefore, things like Bitcoin and Lightning will, because they'll be superior stores of value, will look as if they're going up quite sharply, when in fact, they're just not going down as quickly as the value of other currencies around you. So I'll take it even further. 
when you're measuring Bitcoin and go for value going up, yeah, you're completely measuring it wrong. Because the free market, what, what Bitcoin says is all prices will fall against it forever. All prices. Real estate will, in, in Bitcoin terms, real estate's going to fall to its utility value. But that transition, you wouldn't see from the existing system. You'd, because you would be measuring your real estate going up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, one of the problems I have with this, or the main problem, is to some degree there's a confusion between value and cost. So I can see that it costs money to validate Bitcoin and to do proof of work and do those things. But that's not quite the same as value. The reason the pound is called the pound is that way back whenever it was actually a pound of silver. Uh, they're referring to the, the exchangeable value or the value implicit in a pound of silver, and they broke it into 240 uh, little units of silver. And that's where the whole language of pounds comes from. What is the intrinsic value of Bitcoin? Why should we take this in, in exchange? <laughs> I, I, so I love the question. And, and again, some of these are so politicize on both sides of the aisle that it's important to to go deeper and say so what you're talking about and why silver or pound of silver or gold is a commodity-based money that was hard to copy it's hard to change the rules and what you had forever for a long time that worked okay was backed currencies by gold so when you talk backed currencies what you're talking about is that and then but that sets up because the backed currency because gold or silver can't move fast enough for our economy you can't get velocity in gold and silver it sets up a function in the market that you have to build a credit-based system on top of that and once that credit-based system uh, is based on top of it they set up what ray dalio talks about these short-term and long-term debt cycles that eventually can't be repaid totally agree and everything collapses and and why? Because you need velocity of money. You need it's easier to, ch- to trust a ledger. Who do I trust? And then for the bank, the more they make gold or silver, a smaller portion of their system, the more leverage or the more they make uh, they make the returns. And as a res- and as a result of that, you have an incentive baked into the system. And then and then sorry and and every other bank is competing so less and less leverage all, so more and more leverage all the time and more and more bank and then then you hit these times where everybody wants their gold back at the same time and it's not there so the system collapses and 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 governments come in to bail out the banks because we demand them to bail out the banks and it gets worse and so the history shows that path and and history shows that path because we've never had something like Bitcoin that was decentralized and secure at the same time. So in Bitcoin, what ends up happening specifically on Bitcoin and Lightning and a whole bunch of the other layers is you have unlimited velocity through technology. And what I just said there is critically important. What that means is you don't have to back a new currency. The network is the currency. 
because it, I, I could send Bitcoin from my wallet right now on my phone and it could do 40 hops back to me um, before this call ends. So you have unlimited velocity, meaning you don't have to reproduce this fiat-based debt system that always is subject to, to eventually manipulation and collapse. And it changes in those rules change is, is if it's decentralized and secure. And it's the first time in history that we've had decentralization and security together. And again, first time in history, then when we look backwards at all of the other previous events where we didn't have decentralization and security together, we would misattribute the reasons and the people reasons inside of those institutions that were designed to fail from the beginning. Sometimes they took a long time to fail, but they were des- they had a design feature that they must fail eventually, and Bitcoin doesn't. So it's very different. So you're right. There's a network effect, and really unbacked fiat currencies, like the uh, end of Bretton Woods, we unhitched uh, dollars from the gold from gold. So you could argue that actually dollars or most fiat currencies already have that network effect, and that's why they have value. There is a promise on on bank, uh, banknotes in the UK to pay the beer at the value of. Of course, that means they pay you some banknotes. Totally. Um, so it, it's entirely circular, but it has got one big advantage. It has the coercive power of the state. Um, you know, some people are not fond of the coercive power of the state, but, but the IRS has definitely got me all ears whenever they come to visit. And the MMT guys will tell you that it's the key to money's value is giving Caesar his due. <laughs> so it's the, it's the IRS's currency. Then they ask you for dollars, you give them dollars. They don't ask you for Bitcoin, no point giving them Bitcoin. So isn't where is the root of this value? Where does it come so, from? So actually, but but first, I, I think it's really important what you just said, really important, because if you just agreed with everything else, and, and the only reason that you're not in Bitcoin is because you fear the coercive power of the state, then you're giving it more strength. You're actually making what you fear most happen faster. I am genetically probably 5% chicken. I mean, we should accept that I am likely to cave with the slightest pressure whatsoever from the state. Yeah. And that's the point of Bitcoin is it's, to, it, there's a, there's a couple of things that are important in, in this. We wouldn't see it in first world countries like you would in, in a third world country. So when you have, and, and just uh, what ends up happening in a monopoly is a monopoly protects the people closest to the mon- monopoly. And today, and today, uh, so U.S. used to sacrifice, say, Africa or South America to protect its core. That sacrifice of the periphery, as we move into energy problems, needs to be now um, Japan and the EU. And the EU sacrifice needs to be Portugal, Spain, Italy, whole bunch um, to be able to protect Germany. And that is unfortunately going to happen as people turn inward to protect their own best interests. It's just a function. And as that happens, the state is going to print more money, call it to keep energy prices low and energy prices are going to go higher. Food prices are going to go higher and everything else. They're going to print more money. And by doing that, break every bond of the free market by, by doing so. And more and more people will, will race to the state to, for protection to give them more free money. And the only thing that that is based on is coercion. 
And so now just play that, now play that on a long axis, way bigger axis. Technology is supposed to free our time. And when you make people poorer and poorer and poorer, where they rely on the state, they will do anything for the state. And we, through human history, have done some really terrible things to other people in name of the right thing for our state. That's what, uh, that is unfortunately where this goes, because if you just think about the, the very highest, our marginal cost of production is supposed to fall with uh, technology to the, to the value. The reason your, the reason your, um, the, uh, the calculator app on your iPhone is free is not because, uh, is be, not because of advertising is because if you look for calculator apps on your uh, phone, you'll see 40 or 50 or 80 of them. And if I was an entrepreneur, the last place I would want to be is trying to build a new calculator app on the phone. It drops to the line of code, which is free, and and there's no competition and prices fall. So why you talked about value. Why is the oxygen you're breathing free right now when it's the most valuable thing in your life? Why isn't there a business where people are driving right now to your house and saying, oh, we, you need some more oxygen? And you can only create value where things are scarce. If you create abundance and money, you create scarcity everywhere else. It's not just scarcity. It's not just scarcity. So I'm pretty sure that people in Beijing would like to have cleaner air, but they've got no way of enforcing their right to that cleaner air. So the air's dirty. So in in Beijing, you might be able to sell oxygen. But again, the free, I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's the best we have to be able to, because yeah. every other thing essentially puts somebody in control of us. Now go further along this axis. We, most people believe, most computer scientists believe, uh, AI researchers believe that we'll have um, artificial general intelligence sometimes, some people say 10 years, 15 years, say it's 100 years. And there's a trend towards machines being smarter than us. We can see it today. We know it's accelerating. Now, those machines being smarter than us can also be um, make other machines. They can make so when what you we see today in Boston Robotics and the dogs and everything else. Whether you've looked at that ten years ago, think about what it'll look like in ten years from now. And every single type of form factor from nanobots to, to, to large robots that now are the not sentient, but very smart. Where is it that we're so much smarter and all the jobs come from when those things drop, drop price to almost zero. And so what that means is if you have a, a manipulated system, you concentrate more and more control in the people who make decisions for everyone else. And everybody else is literally uh, modern day slavery, um, all because of a function of trying to ensure prices go up forever in a, in, in a world where they should be coming down. You know, there's one of my favorite books is a book by Robert Graves called Count Belisarius. Um, it's about a particular Roman Eastern, Eastern empire general who, you know, tried to save the Eastern empire around the time of Justinian. There's a section in it where he talks about a eunuch that was appointed uh, the kind of viceroy of Italy when they took it back from the Gulfs temporarily. And apparently that eunuch debased the currency in Italy. And the quote from that book was that uh, he did more to depopulate Italy than all of the wars and all of the famines. 
by doing that. So it's it's a, it's a fun thing. The now here's the problem, the, the bigger problem I have. You said earlier that money is more powerful than law, and I'm afraid you might be right. I'm not saying that Bitcoin effectively is a private money. All of the cryptos are kind of private monies. They're not controlled by the state. I think the state's going to set up uh, e-currencies uh, in a number of places, and they'll go head-to-head and we'll see who wins. It'll be interesting. But I don't know if I'm I'm happy about a world in which uh, public monies get squeezed out by private monies. I think it's a bad sign. Think about Italy when they developed fractional reserve banking. The private monies started to outcompete public monies, but a lot of that was because the states in Italy were weak, really weak, and getting weaker all the time. I don't. When a, the the right to issue currency involves huge revenues, huge seigniorage advantages, if the state isn't sufficiently powerful to maintain that monopoly, we got serious problems. We're living in a world like you know Renaissance Italy. And we're going to have private armies not that far around the corner, if you ask me. I don't. I think it'll look different. Now, this transition is going to bound to be messy, no matter what, because the system is completely unstable, and the game theory suggesting on Bitcoin and what's what's happening there is going to incent people to move earlier. And those those come just like the, that Amazon Sears example I gave. You you can build the new Silicon Valley anywhere in the world today. If you're on the right rails, and I uh, so I created a venture capital fund called Ego Death Capital in this market, and was oversubscribed in 30 days. Uh, only bit building on Bitcoin and eco- the ecosystem that's coming. We've seen 300 over 300 companies. If people knew what was coming to this ecosystem, they would be moving to this ecosystem as fast as possible. I, it's the best asymmetric bet of uh, of our time. And I can't, and I can't believe how much value is going to be delivered to society through this. It's literally unstoppable, and it's global in nature. And so I get what you said because I, I get what you said. I don't really because if you actually poked d- deeper and deeper, if you're you're really saying the state deserves seniorage and just to destroy people's uh, money. To be able to achieve not, it. not deserve, not deserve, but a state that's too weak to enforce its capacity to to make keep a monopoly on seniorage or seniorage is a state that's probably too weak to ensure my safety. So here's here's uh, and this is going to like from where you are right now, it's going to take time to understand some of these things. But I would encourage you to dig deeper. Today we have a shelling point. If you know game theory, we have a shelling point that people don't cheat essentially because you press a button and there's thermonuclear war. You have a shelling point that is holding people in check based on their absolute power. And as that shelling point is there in game game theory, so it's a natural balance that you reach to, other nations are racing to create nuclear weapons, so they are, they are there as well. And there mm-hmm. is no solve from that system because every person wants the same system that you just said. Sure. And they feel North Korea feels at risk if they don't have nuclear weapons, um, so they're going to develop them no matter what because otherwise, what you just said, otherwise we lose our state. 
So it's all based, and all of that is based on control our citizens to be able to do uh, to do this to maintain that shelling point. And the biggest thing, if if people are listening, this look up shelling point. What Bitcoin does is it actually moves the shelling point to global cooperation. Game theory moves it there because if you go first, if you, uh, you, you win more, but that global cooperation is a way better place in the world than where we are today. Where we are in the world today likely ends our world and the path to global cooperation where if, if you just think about it, if prices are going down and I'm not delivering value, then I have to constantly deliver more value in, in that. Now let's imagine I have a whole bunch of Bitcoin. Um, and, and I want to, I want an army to protect my Bitcoin. Well, it's digital in nature. Why do I need an army? Number one, but, but I'm going to impose my power. So I can't get somebody else's Bitcoin with my army. So I'm going to impose my uh, power by hiring, uh, by, by, by hiring a stand, a giant standing army. What that means is I'm distributing my Bitcoin and I'm losing my power. And the point of the whole thing, the point of the whole thing underneath that is the shelling point moves to global cooperation. And we require that shelling point to move to, to, to achieve the abundance gained from technology. It's a, we're, we're going through a phase transition of humanity right now. The very few people can see that we're going through the phase transition because they're measuring that phase transition from the existing system. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. I can detect there are changes mostly by using Occam's Razor. Occam's razor tells me that it's my denominator that's moving more than a series of other events. Big the, the, In trading, right, the key question is, how do I know when I'm wrong? So what if you were wrong? How, what would you see if this was going in a different direction to the one you anticipated? So you, you would see functioning economies without, without more easing. You would say the, uh, the so 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 that uh, that uh, that's one of the things you would say. So every everything would you would gain productivity growth, and you wouldn't require and that productivity growth would move so fa- fast, and it would be able to pay that back the debt without more more easing. It's one th- one thing you'd say. If you if you realize that every time they tighten, markets are going to sell off and get worse and worse, and that's going to create a credit spiral, and they're going to U.S. is going to do yield curve control. And and in time, and things are going to run away again. Um, then it just reinforces what I what I said. That's the system. Now, Bitcoin specifically, um, it needs to be needs to look, why Bitcoin? Why not anything else? Um, and 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 I would encourage people because I will do, I won't be able to do it a, a long enough job on this. I'd encourage them to sure. read the piece for you to link to that piece, uh, finding signal in a noisy world. Absolutely. Um, but in that piece, I describe why a blockchain trilemma and you can solve on layer one, you can solve two of three sides of a blockchain, decentralization, security, or scalability. And what Bitcoin did is they, sac- they, they solved uh, decentralization and security together for the, uh, uh, um, and what that would do in our market 
is is um, they, they sacrifice scalability. So Bitcoin sacrificed scalability, but it's completely decentralized, completely secure, never been hacked, more decentralized today than it was. It keeps on becoming more and more decentralized and secure, longest chain. But on on protocol level, you couldn't build on top of it because it was so it was so hard. Nobody nobody would change the rules. It would so so it only did five to seven transactions per second on the so it couldn't be used as a global currency on 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 layer one. And so that would naturally open up a whole bunch of competing chains to say, I've solved this problem better. But without the realization, because people aren't deep enough on the tech to understand that by solving better, they really meant I'm going to sacrifice security or decentralization for scalability. And, And if you looked at Ethereum, for let's, let's take out all of the examples of sacrificing security because those blockchains if you're going to lose your money on them they're probably not going to work right but no so let's just focus on the ones that need to be centralized and look at the so ethereum and 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 a bunch of others because to solve uh, to to solve the blockchain trilemma you need to uh, sacrifice decentralization and and what that and why would you run a blockchain for a centralized application because it costs more, um, and a database is a much more efficient uh, mechanism. So, on the economic value alone, somebody has to pay for the blockchain, either the buyer or seller. Will Amazon move port their entire business to an inefficient, energy-hungry, uh, centralized blockchain um, when a, when a database is more efficient? It just makes no sense whatsoever because nobody would pay for it. The economic reason alone it fa- fails, and and so, um, so what's happening today in Bitcoin is the scalability is coming on the second layer: Lightning, Liquid, bunch of different, a bunch of different technology that brings scalability, that then reinforces on the primary layer to provide decentralization and security. So that's early, but people are misjudging what's happening, and they're making trades in a whole bunch of things that they're going to get killed in the long term so those two things from a high from a high level if uh if our economies can function without manipulation um i'm wrong the things are going to uh, 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 keep going from a what replaces that system what i think has a high probability of replacing that system something that works on a network effect or reinforcing of a network effect where technology is going that offers broad-based abundance is moving faster and faster and faster and evolving to produce results that people don't see right right now that's why i'm investing in that space sure. because it's a this is the biggest asymmetric bet of our time i i lived th- through this in the in the 90s when people when, i remember my parents eyes rolling over when i said what what what, what would happen with technology with, with the internet <laughs> yeah i got that one wrong <laughs> I, uh, I could be retired on a beach uh if i uh, back in i think i forgot like 2003 or something i was looking at amazon thinking well you know what this will probably work but it look, looks a little expensive yeah i know <laughs> jeff we're kind of out of time you were introducing some pretty uh, me personally i'd rather have more time to think about what you're talking about than just listen to it on this podcast. Where should people go to access your thinking? 
Um, that that so so I wrote uh, two years ago. I wrote a piece called "The Greatest Game," and it and it laid out the steps of the financial system collapsing. And that's available on your website. It, it's just on it's just on Medium. If you look at the great oh, the, okay. the greatest game. And if you read that piece today, uh, you'll see everything is happening as, exactly as planned, including where cent- when central bank digital currencies will be implemented, what's the result, what will that look like. It kind of walks, walks through two systems and is playing out uh, exactly uh, as, as I prescribed. Then finding signal in a noisy world. Is, yep. is probably if you want to get deeper on Bitcoin is probably a, a good or why that's important. And then the, the, my book, The Price of Tomorrow, Why Deflation is Key to an Abundant Future. I do think that a hypothesis which accurately predicts the future is a hypothesis we should pay a lot of attention to. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I can see that. It's been a great pleasure, Jeff. And, you know, we should probably go come again, have you on again, because uh, this is a subject I haven't really gotten my head around. I've got thoughts, but my thoughts aren't particularly useful or cogent. Um, <laughs> we should talk again when we get a chance. Sounds, sounds good, Eric. All right, that's a wrap on the next big trade. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, head over to realvision.com for financial insight you won't find anywhere else. 